A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the 373rd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode, again, is brought to you by patrons Kenny Beaumont and Josh Hansbro. Thanks, Kenny and Josh. You're at the $15 hat level, and I'm very excited to talk to you about that. But for now, I'm going to say that I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enloe. Today, we've got another Matt and Oren catch-up episode. This time, we're talking about how one presents themselves as a director. We've got a couple variations on that theme that we'll get into. This is kind of designed to be a counterpoint to our uh, sulking and balking and moaning of uh, the previous episode. So if you stuck with us... The downer episode, I call it. Yeah, the downer episode. If you stuck with us and you're still listening... Um, this one's uh, got a brighter outlook. And, no, um, I wonder if after last week's episode, a few people were like, yeah, why am I trying to do this uh, insane job? Yeah. It, you know, look, uh, it, it's a good way to illustrate the life of a director. I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'll have a coffee with somebody and they'll be like pretty bummed. And then next week they're on set somewhere incredible. It happens all the time. You know, we know a lot of really talented people and when they're bummed, and out of work, you're like, oh boy, yikes, this town chews you up and spits you out. Yeah. As, as most listeners know, I, I used to be an engineer and I always compared it being an engineer to being a filmmaker, especially a freelance filmmaker, as it's just the ups and the downs are just like times 100. Engineer, like, you know, the, the saddest you ever are is like, oh, there's a bug in the code. We got to stay here all night working on it. The they happiest you ever are. burritos at the free breakfast that Google serves us every morning. Yeah. I was going to say bagels in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty much those are the, uh, the highs and lows. And, you know, you get a promotion. Sometimes someone you're mentioned in a news mm-hmm. article or something. You're vested. You know, your stock vests. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, you're rich. Matt, it, it turns out that the money doesn't make you happier. Mm-hmm. It just makes you less stressed out. I mean, you have a, a full-time job now. You've had many full-time jobs in the filmmaking industry. I think you get money all the time and you're like not worried about it, but it's not like you're like, yeah, I'm happy. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, Ugh, I don't have time to do anything I care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, so yes. So the happiness as an engineer comes mainly from yeah, donuts and bagels and like a few breakthroughs, you know, work-wise, mm-hmm. you know, cause it, it is, I truly believe like a very creative field to work in as well. Anyhow. So, uh, yeah, we wanted to do an episode that's not such a downer because as down as you and I were last week, I mean, we're both incredibly busy. We've had such a hard time just scheduling this podcast. And by the way, if you hear a lot of Matt Noren episodes <laughs> yeah, in, a row, in a row, yeah, we're busy. <laughs> that usually means we just have not had time to book a guest. Uh, and we are just saying, like, oh, we got to record an episode. So anyhow, 
that doesn't mean it's a bad episode. Actually, I mean, it's a good episode because we talk about the stuff that we are literally thinking about this week and, and in our lives. And I think that stuff is interesting because it's like a true kind of tracking of uh, a filmmaker's mm-hmm. highs and lows in their career. And last week we covered the lows, the unsustainable life of a filmmaker <laughs> can never stop working and never take vacation, and never be happy. Uh, and today we'll talk about um, some fun stuff and why we are confident uh, in ourselves as filmmakers, how we present ourselves as filmmakers in many different ways from uh, website, social media, our reels, mm-hmm. uh, the materials that we pitch um, and what we do, you know, when new work comes out. Well said. I, I want to throw a new curveball topic at you. Sure. It's kind of designed to be in order of how you book work or how you interact with people who potentially could hire you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has occurred to me that recently, as you mentioned, I, I've got this, this gig now that's like a long-term thing um, that I don't really know how to talk about because I'm so used to talking about myself as a freelancer and as a person who's, you know, kind of defining their career by what gig they're on. My baby is, a little older now. She sleeps much more regular. I'm, g- I'm getting out into the world more. Like I've reemerged yeah. into social situations in a way that took me kind of a long time. You know, we're all sort of out of COVID in a way that, you know, the rest of the country maybe, um, and even the rest of Los Angeles was a little bit further ahead of us on, but I think young kids and all that stuff kind of, anyway, now we have to like talk to people and people say like, Oh Matt, what are you working on? What are you doing? Like, you know, the reason we call our catch up, we segue into what have you been working on lately is because that's a thing that people say to each other because most of the time, you know, yeah, you're you run out into and about, each other. you run into each other and like from week to week or month to month, it's a totally new thing. So for the last few years, it's been easy because it's been, focused on commercials and I could say, Oh, I was doing this spot with this celebrity or this brand or in this place. And and those were kind of my boilerplate talking points, you know? Right. And now the show I'm on is a little hard to, harder to explain. And like, you know, there's a little bit of hedging to it because who knows? They might fire me in a, a couple months or like, yeah, but, the every, show but when you're a freelancer, you basically get let go <laughs> like yeah. every two weeks, so. every two weeks. Right. Who but cares? so I guess I'm trying to not, I don't want to be like, Hey everyone, like I'm open for work and also, Hey, I'm not open for work. <laughs> right. Like I definitely can make gigs work, but I'm maybe a little bit more selective now. You know, if it's in Los Angeles, it's a different deal. So I just, I don't really know how to talk about it. And it's, Um, it's really throwing me off, man. I know. Cardinal rule of the freelancer is like, never say you're not available. Like literally today I got texted from a friend that we both know that was like, Hey, are you available for this, uh, Carvana spot? And I was like, I just signed with this new company. They've gotten me so busy, but I do not want to say no. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You don't know how to say no. And then you're kind of like, maybe sort of hoping you don't get it. You know, like saying yes and like getting far, but, but not booking it. So then the producer's like, we'll get on the next one is kind of the sweet spot when you don't have the bandwidth to actually do the job. No. So that my move now is like, wait, so when does it like, I'm very interested. When does it shoot? Uh huh. And then they, you know, there's always, there's always something. And so this one shoots while I'm in Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if I like you, you can fight for it. You can say like, do you think there's any flexibility with them? Or maybe I can Mm -hmm. move my flight or, Mm -hmm. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Anyhow, I don't know how we got to that, but um, we were talking about presenting yourself as a director. Mm-hmm. I don't know. From my point of view, and again, I don't know mm-hmm. how, how like your your comfort level or anything about this, but like in my mind, you're like show running, which is yeah, which is a hard fact. Yeah, which which is you're doing some directing, but you're also doing kind of a lot of the producing and writing and like overseeing the team. Yeah, so it's like. Uh, even though you are doing managerial stuff as a director, this is a more formally managerial type of sure. job. But it, yeah, it's it's a promotion right. from director. But I guess I just have decided, like, my identity is wrapped up in being a director. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of it. Yeah, and you're also working with like, uh, like the talent is a creative on your mm-hmm. show. So. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of like directing where you come with all these great ideas and then the client's like, nah, can you please just do it like this? This is how we do it. Yeah. I mean, also like, I think that, uh, in this era, I've thought about it a lot. It's, um, that's, that's most shows. Do you know, most shows either it's the, there's almost always an EP star who has a very, very significant creative voice in the conversation if they are not the reason that the show exists in the first place you know i mean if it's talent driven i like i don't know that pedro pascal is chiming in on like what happens in episode three of the last of us even though he's right even though yeah yeah that's probably true um and look i i was thinking of like larger procedural ensembles you know your your dick wolf universes your 911 universes i don't know that they are uh 
I think on a scene by scene level, they're probably weighing in much more than you would expect. But on a yeah, or like a Mindy project. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but, but a Mindy project is a perfect example, right? Yeah, yeah, or a Ted Lasso, or you know, there's a lot of right. shows Seinfeld like that. Or, yeah, it's like oh, it's creator driven, and yeah. they're are they calling action? No, but like it's their face they're in front of and right. behind the camera and running the room. But and in all of those, yeah, they're pre- running they're the show too, like Fleabag or yeah. yeah. Um, I may destroy you or any of those kind of. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. I guess I am, uh, uh, Alec Berg in the Barry situation. Like the right. EP who's never on screen. Whereas Bill Hader is EPing and is the main creative voice. Yeah. Like I am but- grafting my taste and my recommendations to a different voice than my own right that's kind of the big difference yeah so i don't know i think it's cool and you're still you know obviously involved in how the show looks how the show is shot and yeah. how yeah and, and developing out the the rest of it but it, it i guess you know what it, it boils down to is that i think when you're starting out you think that a director is the top of the food chain because you think of steven spielberg or Quentin Tarantino or Spike Lee or whomever you looked up to as a kid. Mm -hmm. And that's still sort of true in film, but in a lot of other places, that's not necessarily true. And also the older you get, the more you realize being the name on the building isn't as important as you thought it was. It's just, you don't have anyone else to look up to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, I'm looking at your LinkedIn Mm-hmm. Speaking of this, it's kind of kind of segueing into our next topic. So it says uh, that you are a commercial director, mm-hmm. 2014 to present, nine mm-hmm. years and five months. And then above that, it says you're a podcast producer. Just shoot it. 2015 to present. Mm-hmm. Above that, The Ellen Show, mm-hmm. 2017 to present. Above oh, that, present? Team Win, 2021 to present. Yeah. No, I thought it said it's over already. No, check it out. Oh, and then on top of that, you have freelance director again. So you have that still commercial present. director. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We got to work on your presentation here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, my, I mean, my LinkedIn page is awesome. I just realized like showed some company I worked at for like two years that I was there for nine years. And now LinkedIn, a lot of you might be like, who gives an F about LinkedIn? And I do believe that you and I more, I had that attitude like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I had it two years ago. Yeah. And, Remember and last year I was like, who cares about your IMDb page? And then I had like this come to Moses moment where I like got an IMDb pro account, like re like changed mm-hmm. my photos and just felt like, ah, I'm not embarrassed of my IMDb page anymore. I can actually like rearrange what's mm-hmm. on there and mm-hmm. add some images and things. So now I had that with LinkedIn when I realized if you care at all about working in commercials, which by the way, there's a writer's strike going on right now, pretty much mm-hmm. all of like traditional film and TV is on hold. I mean, indie film is still around and, you know, shorts and pilots and everything. But sure. But indie film is still complicated and, and the WGA strike does affect indie film in pretty significant ways, even if you are not a WGA writer. Yeah. And even if you don't intend to ever be one, you know, like it, it is hurting. I mean, it. yeah. If you don't ever intend to be one, who cares? I mean, black SAG, SAG just uh, ratified unanimously to strike, for instance. Right, if they don't come to an agreement. If they don't come to an agreement. So by June 30th, right. everyone needs to wrap everything. Directors Yikes. Guild, I think, is June 10th. Yikes. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, but commercials are one of the few places right now that are you, you know, everyone can work for. I, yeah. I think it's probably maybe questionable if you're doing a commercial for one of these studios. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, I, I don't think they're making a lot of commercials right now. They're cutting all their marketing budgets from what I've seen. So anyway, the commercial world cares about LinkedIn. Advertising agencies, creative directors, art directors, copywriters, executive mm -hmm. producers, commercial producers, agency producers, reps, they all go to LinkedIn. And so I've kind of worked on it a little bit. We talked about it in a couple episodes with Tony Franklin. You know, he's like a LinkedIn master and he's really uh, managed to network his way through the commercial world through LinkedIn. But um, yesterday I finally was like, hey, you know, I left my old com commercial production company and I'm going to join this new one. And uh, I'm going to make it official by changing it on LinkedIn. It's like literally like if on Facebook you change your status from like in a relationship to married or single or whatever, that's like the how LinkedIn is in the business and advertising world. So I changed my company, which showed that I ended my, my term at one company and started at the next company. And uh, surprisingly or unsurprisingly, that kind of sparked a few different things. Um, like I got an email from my old company the EP there saying, Hey, good luck, you know, mm -hmm. in the future, which was, uh, good. It was like a, a little bit of a rough breakup we had. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm happy that mm -hmm. it ended Congratulations. on an okay note. And the, you know, the, uh, EP at the new company, the managing director, she called me and she's like, Hey, I saw you change your company. Like, can we do the press? Can we like release some press on you now? Nice. So it, so literally just these small things on, on LinkedIn, just changing your work status. Like I'm already seeing how it's affecting me work wise. And even like just regular friends and family members and other people I happen yeah, to be connected you, to. And you also never know how it's going to affect things. You know, you never know who's watching or who's paying attention or who, you know, Googles you and just like decides to click on LinkedIn instead of IMDb or your website or whatever, and just kind of clicking around. There's all sorts of, it's a halo effect of keeping everything clean and tidy in the same way that I think people care about Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. especially DPs, I think care about Instagram. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Instagram for DPs. I mean, you know, it, and obviously this stuff evolves. Like, you know, I think we all cared about what like we would go on Facebook and say, guess what? I got this mm -hmm. new job or this new promotion, or I'm now doing photography for couples. Like, mm -hmm. You know, let me know if you need someone. Um, but yeah, right now, I guess in my, the industry I'm mainly working in LinkedIn seems to matter. Um, and, and yeah, so I started working, you know, I've obviously kind of spoken around this in circles in the past few episodes, but started working with this new company called art class and they had, uh, a big party last week. It was their mm -hmm. fifth anniversary and I went and I invited you to come and you did not come. Um, um, well, we talked about on the show how I had a, uh, <laughs> you had a ta table read. I had a table read that, <laughs> at your house. <laughs> so the, the bummer is though, is that, uh, I, I, we talked about this. I didn't actually attend the table read. No, come on. Yeah, no, I stayed in the garage. Why? Because I didn't want to be scabby. Oh, for sure. Come on. Yeah. You're being so crazy. I understand. Literally I understand. directors, like, do you think the director of a show that, or like a movie that's shooting right now, that's a WGA movie, um, but is still being shot like in South Africa with a DGA I'm director? A, I'm a producer on that movie and they, it, we, we wrote the WGA and asked. Because I understand. I think that like when it was first floated to me, I was like, this seems insane. 
And then the more I thought about it, you know, that was like, okay, well, let's just double check. Let's write, reach out to the WGA. And they were very clear because it was like, oh, do we just have to cancel this entire thing? And, and they were clear of like, it's okay to have it with writers, but getting notes from producers is technically... I mean, no. they just want the whole town to stop. Like, it's like there's it's yeah. such a biased yeah. opinion. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, and it's. And yeah. look, it, it was an easy thing to do. It was a, a sign of solidarity. It also made, I think, the actors feel a little bit better because, the, you know, you, you don't want to be like, oh, should I not do this thing because of X, Y or Z or whatever? Like, and also it's a it's a weird time right now. I don't know. It kind of depends on what your social circles are like. But like if you're friends with a lot of WGA members, they're, they're freaked out, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's, there's an appearances aspect of it, you know? So anyway, uh, which is why I was like, ah, oh, maybe I should go to this party. And then I still like, you know, set up and like Dude, put out snacks come. for people. I know I just, was there was so a tired. moment where I was hanging out with like four people that have been on our podcast. Mm. If you count me, <laughs> I was Carissa. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Dorson, her husband, Shane. Yeah. I honestly didn't know that they were, were married. Maybe I did, but I they forgot. They got married uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And Vince Pioni. Yeah. Uh, the founder of Art Class um, has also been on our podcast. And there were, I'm pretty sure, some other people that had been on our podcast there. Um, yeah. I think you would have. I would have had fun. You would have yeah. known at yeah. least 10 people, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was. Yeah, we had a good time. I, uh, Tom Morris, mm-hmm. director, friend of ours, who has only drank in water since he was 13 years old. Like, literally, he will not drink. Kara brought him a LaCroix, and he's like, sorry, I'll drink water. Uh, he drove us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's our designated mm-hmm. driver. Mm-hmm. It was pretty far. El Segundo. It's like across LA, like a 35-minute yeah, drive. Uh, and, yeah, I felt like I have my casting director, Mary Ruth, that I love came and I introduced her to everyone and I met there were a lot of DPs they basically like invited told like the big agents like the ICMs and UTAs like I met the like one of the UTA agents um for DPs came and they're basically like trying to yeah get their DPs to mm-hmm. hang out with the directors from this company. a little bit yeah. yeah so yeah it was um probably the first like kind of party I've gone to since COVID that I felt like I belong, belonged at, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I had people I knew and things to talk about and it was fun. Yeah. And I think, you know, Tom, who's just another director, not affiliated with art class, but just knows a bunch of people there too, I think had a really good time. So, uh, next time you got to come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like, uh, there is a change now energy wise and people just being interested in going out to that stuff. Um, and just kind of mixing and mingling before we move on from the topic of like the, the LinkedIn, the, how you like write what companies you're with or who you're repped by any advice for people that are not repped by anyone, like what they should put like on their social media, Facebook page, website, LinkedIn. Do you think just like independent yeah. director? Well, so, so LinkedIn is really tricky because the, the term director becomes right. much more fraught when you're uh, out in the world where there were director level people, right? So right. director of business relations. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff really gets complicated. Um, so, I, you know, I think you have to just be thoughtful about it. Um, I used to have the attitude of like, uh, 
don't don't be like ah i'm a create this is what it says under mine right now and i i should also say like i work with a um you know like a resume writer basically but for linkedin specifically to like yeah i helped like back during the pandemic i had a little bit of money i was like freaking out i was like oh this guy's gonna help me a little bit and was and then, it was he helpful i remember time yeah. but i don't remember the yeah, final yeah, result super super helpful um and he did a couple things. He helped basically with the flow, the logic of how I was referred from this place to that place, you know, kind of embedding a narrative of like success and the things that I changed and brought and innovated on and you know, why I did this and that and whatever kind of like, you know, career coachy sort of stuff. Um, and also there is a real, search term metadata optimization to LinkedIn and your, um, your resume. So if you, if you're ever like applying to a, you know, a mega corporation, a a Disney or an Amazon or whatever, you see like there's a cool creative director position, you want a full-time job and it's like, Oh yeah, I could be shooting stuff with them and that'd be really cool. Um, you have to know that like those websites all or those, those hiring managers all have essentially bots that scan your resume and spider it, figure out, Oh, do you, is this a correct search match or not? Basically. So like the hiring managers are getting only the most compatible matches. But like, if you were to say, upload a PDF of your resume, even if it is awesome, if it's not scannable, then it doesn't matter. It's invisible. And you just don't, you don't even hit their inbox. So honestly, I think that I have found the most success with smaller companies that, um, where a human being has actually looked at my resume, because I think what makes our body of work and most directors body of work impressive, a human being really has to, to observe. You know what I mean? Like it, like mm-hmm. no one's searching for how many celebrities you've worked with or how recognizable the campaign or TV show that you worked on is or, or was or whatever. You know what I mean? So like there's that, that human element that um, when they're real, they're, when they're mega corporations, I think my, my work isn't really optimized for that. Right. Um, so mine says now creative slash director for commercial digital and linear content. And I think it's also complicated because, and I bet other people think about this too, uh, we're all trying to serve a few different purposes or goals. So like my LinkedIn is also something where in addition to creative directors and salespeople in the commercial world, I'm also talking with equity investors, you know, like, right. like just as a producer, as a, as a producer and as a director. Right. As a person who's fundraising an indie film, I know that investors, angel investors look at LinkedIn before they look at IMDb or before they look at my website or whatever, or I'm likely messaging them on LinkedIn, you know, and so representing in a way that like puts me in the best light, but also keeps me open for work, but also doesn't make me look too thirsty or out of work. Like, like I have to be in demand, but also available. Mm-hmm. is all extra it's an extra layer of complication so yeah yeah it's uh it's it's tricky and especially when you're getting started it's it's really tricky 
Um, and I think one of the, the things that you have to do obviously is book work. And, um, <clears throat> to me, like the number one thing to booking work is showing people your past work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess maybe it's tied with who, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I think early on it's who you know and like who you can collaborate with and then you have to kind of build that momentum, right? Because you're not going to get hired early on unless you know people. Those first few jobs are really going to be through connections or through favors or through offering yourself up to do work for free and things like that. This like next section is maybe a little bit more for like our newer directors, younger directors, anyone that's been in the commercial world for a long time, like understands the power of a custom reel mm-hmm. when you're trying to apply for a job. But I was showing you that I I'm right now I'm pitching on a job for these Peppa Pig toys. And half of it is kind of these cool cinematic scenes with families. And the other half is literally filming toys like hands mm-hmm. playing with toys. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, they all have kids like young kids, like four or five year old kids in them. I, I've never done toy commercials. And when I was first starting out, I thought, boy, it would be so fun. Like there's kind of like <laughs> the nineties commercials of like, it's like a blue psych or something. And the kids are like at a table and they're like, you know, a Ninja turtle is just crashing through a, a brick wall that they've like stacked up or whatever. And it's kind of like single point lighting or what it just looks so fun, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, as I'm sure you can guess, not that fun. Not that fun. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, Timmy on the count of three, you're going to, crash and smile okay yeah, i mean a lot of times don't you don't forget even to smile the, tim the kids let's reset yeah do you know i that star wars thing i shot um these uh, hot wheel star wars toys we hired a woman who mm-hmm. has hand like child small child hands. hands yeah yeah and literally she like wears gloves on set like those are her like money makers yeah i was know? gonna say do you do you ever just like dip your hand in nair and then get <laughs> get a nice little pedicure or manicure and then uh go for it yeah no so um, but it's, <laughs> you know, lighting, it's like very similar to tabletop. You don't mm-hmm. want like any harsh shadows, like huge, huge soft lights. Um, I guess I'm thinking of action figure commercials sometimes have more, uh, more directional lighting, you know, like yeah. for the scenes, you know, it just kind of depends on if the, if the kids hand, like you don't want a giant sh- harsh shadow, right? Sure, Cause the hands sure. are so close yeah. to the toys. Yeah. So probably even if it is directional, it's probably still kind of soft. But then on top of that, you're shooting at kind of these um, like uh, deeper F stops, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, Mm -hmm. you know, in cinema, we always want to like shoot a one, four, one, two, a two, oh, a two, eight, like shallow depth of field, really like focus the eye. But with toys, you're focused on something so small, you know, these kind of miniatures Mm -hmm. and you want the entire toy to be sharp. You don't want like, um, you know, Peppa Pig's nose to be sharp, but her ears to be soft. So you're shooting at a five, six or like an eight or even like an 11. Um, you know, those probe lenses, you have to light to like a F 14, mm-hmm. um, which is like, I just didn't shoot and we had a probe lens. I wanted to do all these fun shots with it. And we're, you know, we're shooting on these like fancy lenses and signature primes that are like, you know, mm-hmm. open up to one, two, one, four, some very bright, like you barely need any light, right? Like candlelight. And then I was like, Ooh, let's, let's do this one cool shot with the probe lens. And they're like, okay, just so you know, we have to like turn on like the 18K to get mm-hmm, the exact mm-hmm. same You're amount like, of light. Go get your sunglasses, Oren. You're yeah. going to have a headache after you shoot with this thing. Yeah. So we ended up literally not using it one time, which is such a bummer. That's uh, why but, I, uh, of all the gear that I think about lately, 
buying a probe because probe lenses aren't that expensive mm-hmm. and you they're so fun yeah like but just having and then you don't have to worry about it one way or the other it's kind of nice yeah great for exterior if you want to do like exterior close-ups mm-hmm. and things I, you know i've also i've shot with one a handful of times on one job i used it a lot well like way more than i was expecting and it wasn't it was like yeah things were brighter but not that much brighter yeah our dp seemed to think that our we were shooting on the uh, Alexa 35 mm-hmm. his new Aries and he was like yeah we can set this to like 32,000 I, I have some insanely high ISO setting to yeah compensate, to compensate. yeah but anyway the point is that making reels custom reels like is really a great way to present yourself and even though I have no kid no kids like if you go to my website directed by I don't know if there is one child, maybe a, mm-hmm. there might be like an open door spot on there where there's like a, a, a few extras that are kids, but somehow art class managed to sell me as a guy. Oh, and there's no toys on my website either, but they, they managed to sell me as a guy that's like amazing with kids, amazing with toys, like really can get great performances, really understands how to shoot the small stuff. And I was like, uh, are you sure you pitched me? Like that does not sound at all mm-hmm. like me. And then they sent me the reel that they made for me. And it was just like, yeah, piece after piece was like, yeah, feels right. We we have got, we're on opposite sides of the coin right now where you're signed exclusively with a place that you're super happy with. And I'm freelance. Which rarely ever happens. Yeah, which <laughs> really, and, and kind of, uh, you know. And I, I also cut. just signed with them. So usually when it does happen, it's right at the beginning. Sure. But if you cut to us like a couple of years ago, I was like exclusive, ride or die, love this company and, you know, miss that producer very dearly. But the trade off is that when you're freelance, you can do all sorts of jobs with all sorts of different companies, whatever. But the uh, exclusivity comes with an intimacy where they know you're real backwards and forwards. And they're, you know, pitching you really thoughtfully. I was up for something that I guess I probably didn't shortlist now that I think of it. Uh, and it's just dawning on me now. But anyway, the producer sent me the reel that they were, they'd put together. And I was like, this is all old. This is none of the, this is not my new stuff. Oh, they, you saw the reel that they sent for yeah. you and you're like, all this stuff is like five years old. Yeah. And I think that it reminded me of the bias that we have as directors of like, sometimes you think newest is best. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, the reel that you sent along, I've, I know your, your work pretty well. Most of it's pretty, pretty old. It doesn't look or feel old or is dated, but like in, in the chronology of your, yeah. Dropbox link of of real material. It's further down than you typically send things. I think. Yeah, you know? it's probably like a, a first thing is like probably four or five years old, then like eight years yeah. old. Yeah, I was gonna say we're living in like old. 2018, 2015 a little bit. Yeah, what's My, from the 2020s? Most the, yeah, the one, Rebel two, thing, three, right? four, five, six, seven things are before COVID. Yeah. One thing is during COVID and one that Rebel Wilson spot I did, which is probably kind of like my best piece is on at the very end because, you know, people like it, but it's a hundred percent unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a good spot. Yeah. The spot is about, yeah. But so what they do, um, art class when they present my reel is the very first thing they do is they have like a mini bio and just six thumbnails of like 
some things I worked with, you know, celebrities or cool images or fun things. Um, and then they go into a reel and like, as we know, you know, a, a producer, Matt Lancaster told me many times, like people will just watch the first few seconds of your reel. So if I was a new director and I was pitching on a job and it had dogs or it had kids or it had cars or it had action or it had comedy, I would just like focus on finding three or four of my best spots that have, or it doesn't have to be spots, short films, whatever specs, whatever you made trailers to movies you made that are in that vein. I would make one image that has like a picture of you, your bio thumbnails mm-hmm. of like those four things as like kind of your main image. If you put in an email or however you're presenting it, you can even make a custom Squarespace page or something, put that at the top and then just put kind of links so people can just really quickly watch like the first few seconds of each one of these things in a perfect world. You'd have like thumbnails, um, or animated gifts or something for each one of these things. And I think you'll be surprised how you as a director who thinks your portfolio is just like a mess. It's just Mm -hmm. like a bunch of random things, how quickly you can define yourself as like the cars director, the dogs director, Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. you know, human rights director, the docu style director, whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's what I want to talk about reels. And I, and you know, I did a, a big dog campaign two weeks ago. We shot it. And, uh, one of the bigger budget things I've done, and I also have zero dogs sure. on my website, but they took like just the very few dog things I have. Um, and they really leaned into the other parts of the campaign, which is like kind of vibrant colors, camera moves, transitions, a comedic tone. And they sold me on the feeling plus dog experience. Uh, but they didn't sell me as like the dog guy because it, if that was the move, I would have lost because there's so many better dog people out there. Yeah. Well done, Oren. Thanks. It's not, it's not me. These are just, just things I'm learning and trying to share with our audience. Yeah. Real quick, I want to talk about like when you are actually getting an opportunity to pitch, you know, whether you're pitching on a commercial or you're taking your script and you are... Uh, showing it to investors, showing it to actors, uh, trying to get a job at a company. How much, and I think I know your answer already, uh, but how much of your bio are you putting into whatever you're pitching on? Let's say someone's like, hey, Mm, we want mm -hmm. a director for this teen comedy. Great question. It's always a slide in every document that I do. But I think that what's really important is that it's not a one size fits all bio. So obviously if you're uh, pitching on something that's really specific, tailoring it towards that, but, but more importantly, like, like, you know, it's one thing if you're like, okay, like I came up in the dog world or the comedy world or whatever, but the narrative that you're putting together, it's not just a list of awards and education and the greatest hits, right? That could be some of it, but, the point of your bio is that it has a narrative that shows that you are the expert and you are just undeniably uh, the right person for this job and you are, your qualifications and your diversity and background make you incredible and perfect and an authority, right? right. So my, my example is in comedy, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I'm super funny and here are my funny spots. But it's different to list like the ways in which 
you it almost is like you're you've been bred in a lab to be the perfect comedy director is what i want people to walk away thinking right and how do you do that um Again, it's about building a narrative, right? So it's That's not specific to specific the job. Specific to the job, specific to, and you know, it can be, you know, comedy based versus or comedy and YA versus, you know, uh, right. animals action comedy, or action GFX comedy or whatever. Driven. Yeah. So, so yeah, the action comedy is a perfect one, right? You know, you need to not just show off your great work, but also like mention how you know you came up in martial arts and you always had a passion for that and it melded with your love of of filmmaking or how you know you were a computer science major once upon a time um and that combined with your love of filmmaking makes you an incredible vfx artist that can both speak in practical and tangible ways to the artists that you're collaborating with and that gives you a an edge that people who just know how to point a camera don't have right that can also speak in ones and zeros mm-hmm. to the computers. And you could even make that joke in the bio. Right. Yeah. And, and which I probably would because I do believe that in the, when you're pitching yourself, the, it's, if you're pitching on a comedy, you know, like even now funny. this thing I'm sure. pitching on Peppa Pig, I'm, the characters in the scripts didn't have any names. So I just called them like Daddy Dad and Mummy Mom mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm. because that's like how kind of the type of language that they would have in Peppa Pig, which I know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are at Peppa Pig stage yet. You're probably a little early, but Peppa Pig is awesome and hilarious. And daddy pig is like just one of the funniest characters and kids entertainment I've ever seen. Uh, so, you know, just trying to lean into the tone, even mm-hmm. in your bio, even in your writing and, and showing that you're informed. Yeah. Right? And, you like it, that you get it. Yeah. And it's tricky. You know, like we had Matt Smuckler on the podcast a a few weeks ago. And of course he can say like, I've been directing for many years. I've told like poignant stories. I love telling Mm -hmm. like stories about portraits of relationships. And also I have this niece who had a really interesting relationship with her parents that I documented. And this is why I got excited about this project that that becomes like very easy to pitch, right? You just hear the story of why it exists and you're like, duh. Yeah. Matt is the guy Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, a harder thing is if you are pitching on someone else's script and it's like, like a teen horror comedy or something, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're, you're trying to explain why you are like the great person for teen horror comedy. And I've heard, have you ever heard like when you're pitching to a producer or pitching a TV show through to an agency or a company that it's better to have like your your rep like tee you up or whoever introduced you say like oh yeah. Matt's awesome did this got an Emmy award or nomination for Key and Peele and mm-hmm, worked Comedy mm-hmm. Central and did this and had this award winning the comedy show um, and he, now here he is to talk about his new project yeah so so what's nice about that yeah that that's true a couple things going back to your point about like oh it's easy to be like oh like Matt Smuckler is perfect for that. Um, for that story or that movie because he wrote it and you know, you just outlined all of the different reasons, but it's not unlike putting together a reel. We all have a finite number of details, credentials um, that you can put in sequence, but you shouldn't put all of those details into every single pitch. And so what's nice about having reps is that they can lead with some headlines that just kind of, again, show your credentials, right? So they, they're saying, 
Matt's the perfect guy for this job because of X, Y, and Z, you know, uh, this award, that award, he's so hot. And the thing that's nice about it is that you don't have to be like, yes, I'm the shit. They are saying that in an explicit way for you so that it's out of the way and you can focus on why you are passionate about the project. And so it delineates the two talking points basically. And you can, you go into the personal details of, I love this because, and I am aware of this or, uh, in my, my take is informed by these life experiences that no other director has. Um, and so I, yeah. And that's, that gets tricky when you're pitching on like a gut milk commercial or something mm -hmm. that's really pared down. You're like, Oh boy, I grew up drinking milk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You do have to be a little creative on how how you find your way in, but it's still all storytelling. And I think that the more you focus on the the work, on the story, on the on the essence of what you're trying to talk about, and the less on the technical or the execution, the better. You know why you love it, why you connect with it, why you're passionate about it with details. Right, and the more you can kind of sneak in your your bio without. It being mm-hmm. a bio page. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what, what I do, you know, almost everything I pitch on has some element of visual effects. And if it doesn't, I usually add some element in. And I always put st- in my VFX section, put something about like, you know, I, I have a background in VFX and I just hyperlink that sentence <laughs> to my IMDb page. Mm-hmm. So they can see like, oh, you did VFX on Nomadland or hopefully mm-hmm. it's a movie that they've heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then instead of me saying like, I'm an accomplished VFX artist, I, you know, I just, I, I start the sentence with that, you know, I have a background in VFX and I think that a place that can really help us with is kind of creating, mm-hmm. making this location feel more grander than it is, you know, or duplicating this crowd or flying through screens really fast or whatever it is. And I, I try to kind of pepper that stuff throughout my pitch mm-hmm. um, without hopefully coming off smug. And, you know, I talked about, I, I had a Pinterest pitch. I, you know, I talked about it a few weeks ago where I had to, ma- I made a video pitch um, and I got the job, by the way, which is pretty exciting. Congrats, but yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think I told you that like in the video that I made, I interviewed Eric Kissack, past guest, and I interviewed um, Grant Kaler, past guest about documentary filmmaking and about mockumentary editing. And they they actually said really cool things that were very germane to the pitch that I was making. But mm-hmm. well, but why is it more powerful that I interviewed them instead of just saying, oh, my friend said this or my friend said that? Oh, I actually have a part from my the podcast in there, too. Oh, nice. Um, where I talk about Melissa Fisher and kind of mm-hmm. her ideas that she taught us about, like punch up Hunt. rooms. Melissa Hunter. About Melissa Hunter and <laughs> ideas that she told us about their punch up rooms, what they mm-hmm. did for shotgun wedding. Uh, so but. You know, and I think that was effective and people liked that part, but they really liked the Eric Kissack and Grant Kaler part because I had footage of them and me interviewing mm-hmm. them and I was pitching on a mockumentary where there's interviews. Uh, so I was using the format to show an example of the format, but also it's obviously like a, like a, like a flex or something, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like a, a humble brag or just a brag to be like, Hey, by the way, I'm friends with the person that edited Borat, sure. you know, or yeah. <laughs> like so, uh, that, and I mean, Bruno, he did not edit for it, but that, that's like kind of how I try to present myself as someone that you can count on that has some background and experience, but is not 
mm-hmm. saying it, it's better than being like, I'm the best filmmaker. I've won a hundred yeah. awards and I'm a help. Peabody yeah. nominated I mean, look, Emmy if you, winning. If you have a Peabody, if you have an Emmy, you do need to drop that stuff. But well, what do you think about putting that like at the very end of mm-hmm. your like treatment presentation? Yeah, Peabody, I think bio. My bio is at is the second to last slide almost always. Um, the last being a thank you slash contact slide, and part of it is like it's a kicker of this is my face and this is my name. Don't forget it. The thing that this is reminding me of, and it's a thing that I'm working with at work all the time, because the, the thing that the show that I'm making is uh, is a nonfiction, you know, mostly it's scripted mm-hmm. in that we're writing right, it's historical like a stories. Series kind of. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Historical. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It, with jokes. Somehow I'm always like working with like, <laughs> right. What you're if like it's about you death added jokes and you're like, to news? Yeah. 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 There's a lot. But Dude, what about jokes? <laughs> so much death in this show. Like truly like we just did an episode on Stalin. Anyway, it's all storytelling. So like there's so much of what we're covering. That's just filled with interesting facts that like, you know, we call them cocktail facts. Like, did you know, Mm-hmm. I, I told you about Stalin, like uh, where we did the Stalin episode. Uh, he like had a mad scientist who was trying to breed a, a race of human apes to make a super army that he can control entirely. That's an incredible factoid. But if <laughs> right. it's not in support of the main through line, the main through line, it's got to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, th- the what's the thrust? What's the story? What where's the conflict? And, you know, one of those tenants is always show, don't tell. And that's really all we're saying. Like wh- the, the through line of our pitches is I am the person to, uh, to make this thing with you. Here is all of the different ways that surprise you and engage you and, uh, you know, impress you. But, it, but if it's boring, even if... It's a good cocktail fact. Even if, Oren, you did win an Oscar, unless that uh, you do the work of connecting the Oscar worthiness of your directing prowess to the way that it applies to the thing you're pitching on, mm-hmm. you kind of lose people, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. it. I think what you're saying that's great is, is part of us pitching ourselves as storytellers is showing our ability to seamlessly weave in our experience into Mm -hmm. our pitches. So if you were like, yeah, I met Larry David and you know, he said this and this to me for no reason, it seems kind of boastful and annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Name dropping isn't interesting. Right. But if you're like, Oh, you know, I heard this thing, you know, Mm -hmm. about Larry David at the, like I overheard him talking about this thing, which is exactly what we're talking about. And I think mm-hmm. it's so awesome. and so funny. And um, I mean, you have yeah. a, a direct example, right? You're like, oh, I have these documentarians who are great at editing, who told me these things that I'm going to use these techniques. I'm going to use in your shoot in this way. And here's an example using footage starring them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, I think whenever you're pitching, like the the more you can pitch in the tone of what mm-hmm. you're pitching uh, and somehow weave your own personal experience and relationships and passions into that pitch, 
it'll just make it a much stronger pitch. The last thing I'm going to ask about that is I, so I have this outline for this scripted podcast and my writing partner, Julie and I were debating whether we should stick our bio at the end of the outline in case Mm -hmm. any new people see it. And we ended up deciding not to, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was part of it. The debate was like, Hey, what if someone else reads this? Like, like you said, the more people know who we are and also have some context as to why they should care about what we say, the better. But someone else we talked to was like, you're already like, they're already reading your thing. You Mm -hmm. know that like you Mm -hmm. don't need to be thirsty. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably right because an outline, it's, it's not a pitch doc. Right. They paid us for the outline. You sold the show. Yeah. But the outline. There are steps to it. It's going to hit, it's going to be read by more people than the original pitch. Sure. Sure. Fair enough. But, um. It's also months later. They're probably still sending the pitch document around that lookbook and which has the bio in it. Like you wouldn't attach your bio to the end of a screenplay. Right. Yeah. Because it's the blueprint. It's the thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But Um, you would maybe to the end of a lookbook. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe that's before you sold it. That's not the work. Yeah, exactly. That's just like what I'm going to do and who's going to do it versus the thing you did. You know, I think regardless, everyone should be sensitive to being humble and to not coming off like a douchebag. And I think that goes back to my point of like, if it's in service of illustrating how... Uh, their project is improved by your relationships or your anecdotes, that's great. But if you're just mentioning that you know this famous person, even if they're very famous or not very famous, it doesn't really matter. It's all just kind of annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very much so. Um, Well, awesome. Well, the last thing I want to touch on, and we can do it really quickly because we've spoken about this topic many times, but it's, um, once your work is done, it's coming out into the world. Let's say you made a commercial. Let's say you made a movie. Let's say you made a short. It's made, you got a Vimeo staff of the week. You made a cool wedding video. You made a video essay. Uh, how do you present that work once it's out to your network of people? And mm-hmm. I know we've talked about this before. I'm curious if that's, ch- it's, if it's changed at all, like May, 2023, Matt, yeah. Do you do I, the same thing you've always done? So the the main difference is how urgently I'm looking at sharing it because I'm not hustling for work in the same way, way right now. For instance, I have this Reddit campaign that I think is airing as we speak that oh, I'm yeah. super proud of. Have you not posted anything about it? I have not it? posted a thing about it. Not even a my, behind the scenes photo, nothing? I put my, I put one of the spots on my website today and it's been out for at least a month so what's the tell me the thinking behind that Uh, i've just been busy honestly yeah so i think so what i did so my jason derulo thing i'm sure i talked i don't know if i said his name in the past but i've talked about this project a lot because i've been working on it for a very long long time even though it's literally just like a tiktok video it's jason derulo dancing uh to the tune to the beat of a music track that's composed of crunches from Mm -hmm. bites of a drumstick, a Nestle drumstick ice cream cone. So my pitch on it was that 
because we have all these crunches, why don't we have make a bunch of clones of Jason Derulo mm-hmm. each walking past and doing a crunch? And I was really inspired by this guy on Instagram named Peter Quinstagram, uh, who I think I've endorsed before. It's this kind of like After Effects genius. And so I was kind of taking that idea, but adding Jason Derulo into it and adding the fact that he's creating this music by his clones are all eating Mm -hmm. this ice cream. And we even had a little story of like, he starts out with saying like, who took all my drumsticks? And then we reveal that it's like Mm -hmm. all these clones of him. So he posted it today. Uh, He has a lot of followers, 20 over 27 million followers on Instagram. So it's getting a lot of views on his site, but I just put it in my story. It's very easy, right? It takes like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. You just write, Hey, I directed this thing. The hard part is tagging all the crew people. Just takes Mm -hmm. a long time. I Mm -hmm. did that. And then the immediate story after that was my pitch video that I made to show them what it would look like with just me in the living room with my drumstick walking and doing a very embarrassingly bad dance. Uh, And I, I already off of those two things got like, you know, a bunch of people saying like like, people reacting, people making fun of my dancing. Uh, Tim Wilkheim asked me if I went to the same white dad Juilliard class mm-hmm. that he went to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, a few, a few business Tim moves people. to New York and all of a sudden he's attending Juilliard. Yeah. What a dream. Uh, <laughs> but already like the people at art class are like, Hey, send us that video. You know, we, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. good for this and this. And so just by the very light lifting, but just like taking your mm-hmm. new work, putting stories on it and then immediately going into the like, now I can post all my photos from set. Now I can do this behind the scenes. Here's a cool breakdown of my pitch or some documents. I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think uh, what's even fun, a graphic that like you photoshopped for the deck that you, this fun, yeah, you know, revealing the process. Like, you know, you can't really do it before the work comes out, but once the work is out, it's awesome to post the things that reveal the process. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure everyone knows this, but the stuff that's not interesting is like, Hey, my DP was so awesome. Hey, thanks mm-hmm, so much mm-hmm. to mom. She like fed us the whole time. Like sure. Post that stuff. I don't think people know that that's obvious, but l- let's dig in on that a little bit because, uh, there is that impulse to want to thank the people that you collaborate with. Right. And right. and I'm not saying you shouldn't thank them. You should thank them. But it's not don't interesting expect, unless yeah. you know those people. Yeah, don't expect you thanking a bunch of people and talking about how cool it was and posting photos of you with your arms around each other next to the camera to be mm-hmm. something that will... Yes, it'll show people that you're working and had, yeah, having a good time on set. Some awareness. But, but it's yeah. not, not going to be like, ooh, that's the per- Matt's someone I should work mm-hmm. with because of these cool mm-hmm. photos. I, I think what's much more... You know, Valuable. It's, really, it's effective in making the crew member you didn't hire for whatever reason <laughs> jealous. That's yeah. what it's the best at. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the other thing, like the reason I tag everyone is like, obviously I'm appreciative, but I'm hoping they're proud of the work too. And they mm-hmm. will easily just say share in their own story, you know? And they also probably don't know that it's that live it's out. yet. Yeah. 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 So yeah, nobody knows when they're allowed to post anything. So nobody posts anything, but if you post it and then tag them, then they will be like, Oh, I'll repost this. Cause I worked on this too. It's also mine. I was the production designer. I was the DP. I was the sound mixer. So, um, I think, uh, those things are helpful, but I, I think if you want to use your work to help push you in to, to help people get interested in working with you, it's great to 
and post the work and your process. And we talked earlier before we started recording about Jordan Brady, about some of the hacks he does and just like mm-hmm. how inspiring that is. And maybe it's not necessarily making us hire Jordan Brady again, but it'll make us be like, Ooh, I saw Jordan Brady do this thing once. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can do it. And you're talking mm-hmm. to the DP about Jordan Brady, you're talking to the producer about Jordan Brady. All mm-hmm. of a sudden Jordan Brady is getting all this extra press on just shoot it pod mm-hmm. uh, because he posted this cool hack. You know, and he's not posting a picture of him and the DP with, you know, hugging it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'll thank the DP, you know, but, um, but anyway, so that's, to me, that's kind of like the nugget from today of like posting about this Jason Derulo video and posting like my breakdown. And, and I think it'll also hopefully give people ideas like, oh, I have a fun video idea. I should just make it with myself and then pitch it as a yeah. concept for someone else, you know? A hundred percent. Well, Oren, that's a perfect segue because you're stepping on the video that I was oh, going to talk about. I'm sorry. For my unpaid, unpaid endorsement. endorsements. So the, the video that Oren is referencing is my unpaid endorsement, Jordan Brady on TikTok. He's great. And he's also on Instagram. He's a cross-platform agnostic sort of social uh, poster. Uh, he, it's a, a spot for a hybrid car where they, the guy is like, uh... I'll shave when we need to fill up a tank of gas and then immediately has a cartoonishly long beard that looks great. It's really funny. The spot's awesome. Um, but the the video that I'm specifically excited by is that Jordan, in just kind of a soundstage, sets up a set that the, the elements are a freestanding shelf, a shower curtain, and a mirror. And when I say a mirror, I don't even mean a mirror with any sort of art decoration it's not a vanity literally just a reflective piece of glass mirror Mm. no no border no edging no nothing it's probably held up with a c-stand i don't know but just kind of standing in the middle of nowhere it's it looks so bare bones and then you see the shot from the commercial which is a like i said a big expensive cool spot with just those elements there's not a single person in the world would look at that shot and think that they weren't in a real life bathroom. That Jordan Brady mm-hmm. is his Instagram. And yeah, he uh, just posted it. It's, it's pretty cool. It's really cool. And I think it's inspiring just to remind you, if you know, if you have the control of knowing exactly what the shot is and you're not, it's not a big long scene where you've got a, a master that you're going to frame up that needs to con- contain the entire thing and then crosses and a two shot and then moving this and that. If it's just a simple shot, you can put everything you need in the frame pretty quickly and contain it. And that can be the whole thing. It's pretty rad. It's really rad. So well done, Jordan. Hope you're listening. Hi, buddy. Hey, yeah. Send us that 20 bucks you owe us. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kaplan, what you got, buddy? Uh, I'm just going to go lazy, super lazy. Uh, I'm just going to let people know that Pony Smasher (laughs) has put up a couple more videos Mm. on his YouTube channel. Uh, Pony Smasher is David F. Sandberg, director of Shazam, Shazam 2, Lights Out, Annabelle Creations. He puts awesome like tutorials on his YouTube channel. I don't know if you saw one from a month ago called Communicating Your Vision as a Director. He talks all about his previs. Yeah, I I think I, I think... It's kind of a long one. It's like 25 minutes long. I don't think I made it all the way. I think I got distracted halfway through. But it, to call them tutorials, I think maybe it's like half video essay. Like yeah, It's yeah. a little bit of a think piece to it. It's about his process, I guess. But still, uh, still with 
tangible tips and tricks. It's a perfect melding of our two interests. Yeah. So as a month ago, post communicating your vision as a director is pretty good. I, I think a lot of people will be like, I'm never going to do this. You know, it, like, you know, he uses Blender. Mm-hmm. He does all sorts of complicated things. Mm-hmm. But something he posted. I, he did use a lot of uh, Google, not Street View, like Google, oh, yeah. Google, Google Sky. Earth. Google, yeah, whatever. Like using that to comp in shots of people flying around and stuff just to kind of do yeah. animatics. Basically. It's still Pretty kind cool. of complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard work he's doing. Yeah. But what he posted yesterday um, is it's called making cam closer to. So four days ago he posted cam closer to a horror short, just to be honest, I didn't watch. Um, but he <laughs> posted a video uh, yesterday about the making of it. And he just talks about like why he chose the camera, why like all these kind of super obvious things. But you know, mm-hmm. this is a guy who's had DC, made DC superhero movies, had huge budgets, huge camera, could get any camera techno crane drone. He wants, mm-hmm. Um, and he shot this on a DSLR, even though he owns like a black magic 6k and some other things. And he shot this short at home. It's just him and his wife. You know, he has one light, he has one mic that he doesn't even use. He does all the audio and post. Um, but it's just a breakdown of like why he chose his camera, why he shot every shot, how he edited it. And it's it, like, I, I, I loved it because his main point was that making big movies can is not always fun. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, you get into filmmaking because of you're running around with your camera, making these stupid videos with your friends. And then you finally succeed at it and you are a professional filmmaker and you're making these giant movies and it's, it's just really hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, Th- there's a video he did for Shazam two where they go to comic con and he talks mm-hmm. about media introvert. training. Yeah. Being yeah. an introvert, but he talks about media training and like that's, Media training, I think everyone should have, but it's kind of a diss. You yeah. know what I mean? That's like kind of a corporate dunk of being like, hey, you're awkward. Let's fix that. We're going to hire a professional to make you less awkward. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, boy. Yeah. It would hurt my feelings for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I would be like, no, 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 no. I have a podcast. And they would be like, we've heard the podcast. You're going to media training. We don't want to hear you say, you know, one more time. In, uh, in his latest thing, he just talks about why he chose it. Part of the, the biggest reason he chose the camera he chose was he just wanted it to be fun and easy. And it has great autofocus, great stabilizer. And What camera just, did he use? Do you remember? Panasonic GH6 or something like that. Yeah, I haven't shot with a Panasonic camera in so long. Yeah, or a Lumix or something. Um, you should check it out. Making Cam Closer to Pony Smasher is his YouTube channel. And I really enjoyed it. So thanks everyone for listening. If you are getting anything out of this, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. Uh, and if you're not getting anything out of this, then thank you for listening to the end. Anyway, you, really, you stuck it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Rethink the way your time management works. If you're not yeah. getting anything out of this. We'd love to hear from you. Any tips on presenting yourself as a director, things you've heard, you've seen work, things you've seen not work love to talk about them on the show i think this is our main job as freelancers is figuring out how to get bigger and better jobs Uh, and that's all related to presenting ourselves. with that said this episode the editing on this episode is presented by noah (laughs) bayshore the producing was presented by tyler small you can find us at at just shoot a pod across all social media i'm at o kaplan on instagram 
And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow, and um, you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive, and the artist is R. Yet again. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Bye.